In today's episode, I am talking with Riz McDonald from Found Legal. Riz has come on their show today to share with us her wisdom from 16 years of experience in the law department and share with us what we need to have as small business owners in terms of our legal responsibilities. This is an absolute genius episode with so much information. I highly recommend you grab a pen and paper because Riz is going to talk to us about what we need on our websites, things like trademark responsibilities and what we can actually trademark, which is really quite interesting. And Riz comes from a practical background, as in she has had her own e-commerce store as well, which always makes me feel like she has a practical hold on what we need and an understanding of our complexities as small business owners. This is a jam-packed episode. It's a long one, so I highly recommend you take time to listen because the information here is incredible. You can follow Riz over at Found Legal, and she has some incredible templates on her own website that you can follow and download and use on your website yourself and, you know, really protect yourself against any legal issues that might come up as a small business owner. I'm going to dive right into this episode because, as I said, it is jam-packed full and you may need to even listen to it twice. I'm excited to bring you Riz McDonald from Found Legal today. Let's get into it. Hey, hey there. You are listening to the Boss Motive Podcast, where I'm sharing all the tools, tips, and mindset tricks to build a successful business whilst living a life you love and avoiding the burnout. Ever wondered what it takes to live in a tropical paradise, run successful businesses, and work from home whilst raising kids? Well, listen up, friends, as I am sharing my story of how I've done this, along with interviews from other incredible entrepreneurs who are also living their best life. My name is Liz Morris, and this is the No BS Podcast, where I'm digging deep into what it actually takes to define your success and live a life you were put on this earth for. Haven't found your motive yet? Come in closer. We may just have the answer. Well, hello, Riz. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Now, I've given a brief introduction, but I would love to hear from you. Can you please tell me all about yourself, your business, and whereabouts in beautiful, sunny Australia you are? Well, uh, my name is Riz McDonald. I'm the founder and director of Find Legal. Um, I'm a lawyer of 16 plus years. We'll leave it at 16 plus. (laughs) Um, I'm an entrepreneur uh, as well of 10 plus years. Um, I have two beautiful children, a boy and a girl, Ella and Gabriel. I have two fur babies, Ronnie and Reggie. um, And uh, I uh, live in Brisbane. I love Brisbane. And um, yeah, I've been doing this for quite some time. And I set up Find Legal uh, just over two years ago now. Um, I find a niche in the market for offering affordable, um, you know, legal products and services without all the legal bullshit. <laughs> I love that. So legal is something. And when um, we were talking and you decided to come on the podcast, I'm, it is so important. So I'm so grateful that you're here because you're going to share your wisdom with us today. But um, it's one thing I learned along the way, I think from especially being in a service business, when you don't, it's one of those things like insurance. You don't need it till you know you need it. And I feel yes. like legal is a bit like that as well. Yeah. But before I press record on this episode, we talked about a bit of your journey on how you have come to be helping entrepreneurs in the legal space. But there was a little bit of a story before that, perhaps about an e-commerce store that you set up yourself. So can you run through that again with me? Because I kind of stole all that information just before I hit record, but I want to hear it again for the listeners. (laughs) Of course, of course. So um, uh, about, oh my goodness, Ella's 11 now. So 10 years ago, um, uh, I set up an e-commerce business at selling male grooming products, uh, Pure Man, which I've since closed down because I can't do everything much as I'd like to. Um, And I made so many mistakes because I didn't know anything about e-commerce business and how it should run. It's completely, you know, I I understood the legals, obviously, but anything outside of that, no clue. Um, And it was a wonderful experience. It was a side hustle to my legal work. And um, I learned so much from that experience around websites and the importance of having the right design website, for example, the importance of SEO and hiring the right SEO specialist and not getting ripped <laughs> off. Um, 
so many, so many different um, mistakes. I prefer to call them learnings because I've learned from them and all the learnings I gained from running that e-commerce business, I applied to my fine legal business. And that includes, um, you know, I, 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 I used Shopify for that business and I loved it so much. I also used it for fine legal. Everyone told me I was crazy, you know, setting up a Shopify platform. And I was like, no, no, there's a method to my madness. I want to sell digital products and services and digitize as much as possible. Shopify is perfect for me. Plus, I'm familiar with it. Um, and I incorporated those lessons around SEO, around web design and, you know, call to actions and all that kind of magical stuff that builds up this picture of how to run a, you know, a better, a good website. Uh, I use all of that into Find Legal. And look, if you're not going to learn from those mistakes, then what else can you do? Yeah, I totally agree. Everything is a learning experience, 100%. 100%. And I totally agree with you on Shopify. It is seriously my favorite platform. Okay, I have two favorites. It's like having two children, really. You have, like, I love Shopify for my e-commerce and I do have digital downloads as well. And I find it works so smoothly um, for my e-commerce store. And then, of course, I love Kajabi for my online education and um, my coaching business. But, yeah, Shopify is it's so versatile. And I love that you have built this, like you have that experience of actually running an e-commerce store. So not only do you have the legal experience for people, you have the practical hands-on experience. And to me, that is just above and beyond because if someone has been there and done that, you just, you get it. You get it as an entrepreneur, how hard it is. And even the issues that come up, like especially, you know, dealing with suppliers and dealing with manufacturers if you're manufacturing. Yeah. And it's one thing just to plonk a website up and hope that you can do it. But um, yeah, coming in with that experience is phenomenal. And I just love that you have had that experience. Absolutely. A lot of the business skills, so to speak, and the business strategy I implement and defined and I share that knowledge with my clients as well because I don't feel like legals is one part of the jig, a very important part of the jigsaw puzzle. It's one part. There's all these other elements as well. And so I learn and share that learning as well through my consults, et cetera, as well. And, um, and all that learning has really enabled um, me to grow find a lot quicker, if that makes sense, because I've already made the mistakes uh, in some respects. Uh, so that's been a, you know, a massive learning curve for me running that e-commerce business and applying then the learnings and the experience to find legal. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't pay for experience, really. Like no, no. <laughs> getting in there, losing money, you know, banging your head on uh, against the wall. That yes. is where the experience comes from. And now being in this position where you can help other people avoid those mistakes is it's so value, valuable to people. And it's so wonderful that you have done that as well. And not just, and I'm not saying it's disrespectful, just coming from a legal background, but actually being in the dirt, sacrificing your own money oh and my creating goodness. an e yes. store. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so this much. is really exciting because I didn't know that until right now, today. This is what <laughs> I'm excited about because I actually had in my mind we were just going to talk about legal stuff. But <laughs> you have an e-commerce, you have had an e-commerce store. It's just fantastic. So thank you for sharing that. Now before we go any further, if I was listening to this podcast, I would be racking my brain and it would be distracting me. Where is your accent from? Well, it's a bit <laughs> of a hybrid, but I'm originally from Wales. I grew up in Cardiff, so I'm a Cardiffian. Um, but I studied law in Scotland. So I was in my 20s, so the accents kind of become a hybrid and then throw in a little bit of Aussie there as well. <laughs> um, so people get a bit confused and then match that up with my name as well, especially my first name. It's, it gets a little bit confusing. Yeah, so, and you've got uh, a Queensland yeah. accent on top of that. Yep, yep. <laughs> love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. I just love it. So how did you end up in Australia before we go well, back to the content? Well, I backpacked many moons ago around Australia and I absolutely loved it all of Australia, but my favourite was Brisbane and I always wanted to come back and um, and I've never regretted that. I've, I've loved living here. I love the lifestyle. I love the weather because as you can appreciate, Wales and Scotland are not very warm and, uh, and most days are raining and it's not even warm rain. It's very cold rain, a very yeah. biting cold rain. Um, so, yeah, the lifestyle, my children have a wonderful lifestyle here. They're always out and about. So, 
I love it. Uh, I, I know. I I was born and bred in Canberra, and to me that would be a bit like Scotland. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been to Canberra, so I agree. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm in Queensland. I fully love it and appreciate it. And I just every day I'm like, oh, I love the sunshine. So I completely know how you feel. <laughs> All right. So let's get back into the importance of this whole podcast because I'm so interested to hear what you have to say about this. Tell me firstly about your structure. So how do you help entrepreneurs? What do you what do you do from the legal perspective? So from a legal perspective, there's two kind of arms to it. There's one is the custom template. So they're industry specific. So when I say custom, I mean they're industry specific catering to creatives. Um, so we've designed these templates. So they're specific to say social media marketers, there's templates for the graphic designers, there's templates for creative agencies that offer a mix of, you know, quite a few different things. So we have influencer agreements and so on and so forth. So they're all creative industry, I've kind of classed it as, and they're, um, they're templates that take into account what they do, if that makes sense. And over the last two years, we love feedback from our customers and we use that feedback to improve those templates as well. And um, and obviously, as you may appreciate, you know, to buy a template that's industry specific or work with a lawyer to create one costs thousands and thousands of dollars, whereas I'm able to provide them, you know, uh, as a template. They don't need to necessarily hire a lawyer unless they're offering something or wanting to do something very specific and custom to them. And then the other arm is um, I offer custom services. So if they want us to... Um, customize those templates or if they want us to review somebody else's um, uh, contract or their own contract and improve it or want us to create something from scratch we can offer that as a legal service as well Um, so yeah so it's a combination of both and we do fix fee on the custom services so we look at the job and we offer a fixed fee um, price for that work. Um, so what you see is what you get. So unless you change the scope horrendously, the price doesn't change. Oh, fantastic. You're really all for entrepreneurs and I love that. 100%. Yeah. So I know a question that pops up when I talk to even my coaching clients about this sort of thing. Are templates legally binding? Like, really? Come on, answer this question. How, um, you know, are they going to give us protection in terms of somebody coming towards us, you know, any kind of legal issues that might arise? How um, confident can we be in templates? Well, the templates that we have are drafted by lawyers, drafted by myself or my team. Uh, so they're definitely, um, you know, legally legit, as I like to say. Um, and if you buy a template from a reputable law firm, you know that a lawyer is involved in drafting it, then you should be able to rely on that. And I could certainly confidently say you can rely on our templates from that perspective. Um, we try to remove a lot of the legalese from those templates so it's easy to understand and follow through as well. But what I will say, though, is regardless of where you purchase your template, hopefully, obviously, from a legitimate source, um, that that is one part of your client journey. You need to also have systems and processes aligned with your contract. So if you have a contract that says your payment terms are seven days or 14 days, make sure your zero or my or whatever you're using is sending out those invoices to reflect what you've got in your contract. As an example, if you offer two revisions, uh, make sure your emails go out to remind them and send them the work on the timeframes you said in the contract. So you've got to do things through your systems and processes along with your template, match all of what you say in your template is matched up by what you do in your systems. Oh, that's well. such good advice. So that let me just recap. Buy a template from a reputable person. <laughs> make sure it's legally, you know, not just something that we find on Pinterest um, and make sure it comes from the right source, which is perfect right now because I'm going to put your details in the show notes so people can check that out. Um, and then also make sure it matches up with what you're actually delivering. Like that's, right. that's such yes. great advice. I guess yes. people don't really think about that. They think if they just chuck up some terms of service or a privacy policy that you know, they can just walk away from it. But the fact that you need to then have it in your marketing even, like, 
you know, your returns policy. If someone emails you, you need to be able to refer back to that sort of thing. Correct. Definitely. 100%. I recently actually had a client who, lovely, lovely lady, I loved working with her. She purchased one of our templates and then um, she'd been working with a retainer client for like six months. Her terms very clearly said 30 days in advance because that's how we structured it for her. And because she had such a wonderful relationship with this particular client, she started to slide on those 30 days in advance and was doing work without getting paid. And suddenly this client was being late by say three days, then seven days. And then all of a sudden she was in a situation where the client hadn't paid her for two months. And I had to speak to her and remind Mm -hmm. her, there's a reason why you have these terms and conditions structured the way you did and your policies and procedures and your systems need to match that and so you're going to have to be firm with this person and go back to them and reset that relationship and remind them that this is what needs to happen Um, so like I said your contracts can say one thing and if you do the opposite then you're kind of weakening your own position uh, in doing that so yeah that's why it's important to match up those things oh my goodness that is so important like I think I even just did a post today about that, like sitting on your invoices and not emailing. And that is, that's super important that if you're saying you're going to, they have to pay on a certain date, you need to remind them to pay on that certain date. It's like a two-way street. And if you want them to comply, you have to comply, like you have to comply with your terms and conditions and your legals as well. So I think as women, we're so good at letting money slide and we're like oh you know they probably had bills and I always say my clients yeah but you have bills and you can't go to Woolworths tomorrow and take out a whole shopping trolley full of groceries um like the contract is there for your your protection but also you've got to follow on on that so that's great advice 100% and look if we unpack that a little bit as well you know um, your contract indicates professionalism as well that you've got your shit together you're professional (laughs) etc no matter how small you are or how big you are also um, you know when you follow through on the things that are in your contract it's less stressful it's streamlined you're communicating effectively with your client the client journey is pretty awesome and the moment you let those things slide stress for you it's stress for you because you now got to take time out of the making money to chasing money you know definitely definitely and I know even in my photography career when I had my when I built contracts into my um, sales process and people were paying before the shoot and they knew what they were going to expect but they signed the contract oh my gosh, that was life-changing. It was almost like I was a legitimate business now because they have a contract. Like I always had the terms on my website, but actually getting them to read a contract and say, this is what I'm offering. This is what you're paying for. And they read it and sign it and fill in the blanks. And it was just, it was empowering for both me and the client. And it really, in some ways, once I had that, I felt like I could even raise my prices because I was like a real business then. Yes, absolutely. So, For example, what I say to my clients is, look, put your contract into your CRM if you have one. And if you don't have one, find a way to automate that process. As soon as you've had your consultation, if that's what you do first as your first step, you then follow through on what you said in that consultation as to the next step. Send them the contract. Once they've signed it, make sure they send you the deposit if that's how you structured things. Send them a reminder to say, hey, we can't commence work as per our consult because you need to sign the contract and you need to pay the deposit before you move to those next steps. Yeah, and this day and age, like, it is so easy to automate that whole process. 100%. My my photography and my coaching business, I use a software called 17 Hats. I don't know if you've heard of that. I've heard of that, yes. Oh, it's brilliant. And it's like you can have all that contract set up. So as soon as somebody comes into your net or your, um, you know, your sales process, then you can send them the um, the quote and then it, then it automates after they've accepted the quote, then it automates your contract and then they sign the contract. Then it automates like your booking form and then they fill that in. Everything yes. is so automated Correct. and you can just set different um you know, automations and timeframes that it goes out and they can even sign it on their phones now. Like yeah. it's just yeah. a matter of filling in there and it comes back yeah. a signature and it, it's so easy and it's like a one-time setup 
And yes. as long as you've got it all connected, it becomes yes. really easy. And I'm sure that's something that you could help clients with individually. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, when you have that kind of workflow happening, and if you think about it as well, your onboarding of a client and your offboarding of that client once the job is done should be the same. What should be different is the client, the price maybe, and the scope maybe. Those are the three key differences uh, between each of your clients. Otherwise, process of onboarding and offboarding should be identical. So therefore, it should be automated. Yeah. And I think when when we use software that can do it for us, the overwhelm is gone. It's like you do need to tweak it as, you know, some conflicts might arise along the way. Oh, 100%. Oh, gosh, you know, I need to put an extra clause in there or something. But that's, you know, part of the learning. But once you have this amazing software, it it can do it all for you. So there's actually no reason not to have it. Yes. Um, but I think that is the biggest, I guess, as a new entrepreneur who is pretty much who I talk to, um, it can just feel so scary and overwhelming. Like, yes. where do we start? So yeah. from your perspective, um, I guess it's probably different or maybe it's similar. I'm not sure. I'm not the expert here. <laughs> but, um, you know, like an e-commerce store or a service-based business, are these similar? And what's the minimum a person should have in terms of legal protection before they, before they should accept their first dollar? Okay. So there's a couple of things um, that they should have in place is, uh, so let's look at an e-commerce business a moment. Uh, website terms and conditions, very clear website terms and conditions, a privacy policy, returns policy, refund policy. So even if you, you know, because this Australian consumer laws apply to refunds and returns as well, being very clear around those things, because the more you communicate, the better. Having an FAQ page as well for all your most frequently asked questions is super helpful or videos of those FAQs. Um, So those things. And if you want to build up a database, which is also super important to the growth of your business, then making sure you have the right consents to market to them. So just them buying from you does not mean you then get to send them marketing emails. You have to get consent from them. So, you know, the you might see a pop-up on most, look, most e-commerce stores have a pop-up, right? Yeah. Hey, get 10% off, get 20% off on your first purchase or whatever it might be, or free shipping. You need to make sure there's a consent there to future marketing as well, not just for that 10% discount, for example. So those are the kind of things as an e-commerce business you should have immediately. In addition, can I just say, please have insurance as well. Yes. Yeah, they need to have insurance as well. Um, And um, so they're they're a couple of the core things they should have in place. Um, And I would even if with your website terms and conditions, if you have the returns policy wording and refund policy within the website terms and conditions, I would also highly recommend calling them out separately as separate URLs in your footer so they can go straight away there. And um, and also have it in your FAQs because, look, whenever I go to an e-commerce site, I double check a couple of things, you know, other than making sure they're reputable and legit with a little padlock, um, making sure what, what's their returns policy if I'm not happy or if there's a problem. What's the refund policy? I look at those things. How long is it going to take to ship? And we appreciate with COVID shipping delays. And that's another thing. Communicate that. If you're going to potentially a business who's, you know, going to have delays with shipping, mention that because it's not so much a legal thing, it's a practical thing. And it all goes back to the whole flavor, though, through what I'm saying is communication and how you communicate it as well. Um, But at a minimum, those are the things you should have on your website as well. And um, obviously the insurance as well. And look, with a services-based business, depending on the nature of the service, you know, your website terms and conditions um, will incorporate the use of that website, protecting any IP on that website, like your images, etc. If you offer free digital downloads or paid digital downloads, Make sure, you know, your IP is protected in those website terms and conditions. You know, if you um, provide bookings for consults or um, strategy sessions, etc., you know, if you want to charge them for uh, booking that time and if you have a cancellation policy, make all of that clear. Um, don't just bury it in the website terms and conditions. Call out the ones that are really important to you and potentially important to your co- customer client, call them out as separate URLs as well and have them linked at the booking section, you know, click this that you accept these terms or you've read them, et cetera. Um, 
So doing those kind of practical things. And look, again, if you're like an e-commerce business collecting um, emails and you want to and build that database, and I highly recommend that you do, um, again, make sure that you're getting the consent, not just for what product or service that they've, uh, digital product or service they've, um, you know, purchased from you, uh, making sure that you can market to them separately about other offerings as well. So getting that consent is quite important as well. Yeah. Fantastic. That's so much information. And a couple of things that you that you touched on there, like um, I've been talking with a lot of other e-commerce store owners and they're like, oh, so much customer service. I'm always answering questions. And I say to them, like with mine, I, I don't get a lot of questions. I don't get a lot of random emails because I built up my frequently asked questions over time and it's not something that with my store, like as you grow your store, you'll get a new question and that question pops up once or twice or three times and you think, right, I'll add it to the FAQs. And it's amazing how once you do that and you have that clearly on your website, you get rid of like 80% of the customer service problems, you know, like, and, and the shipping, I really like that, especially, um, what you say about the COVID stuff at the moment, because that is completely out of our control. Yeah. So even just having that in there, like, uh, and that's something I have done online is we use Send All and we use Australia Post. I'm sorry if there's delays, you know, we expect it to be delivered at this time. It's not, you know, basically acknowledging the fact that we're trying our best, yes, <laughs> you know, and, and people respect that, I think. They, they understand yes. then that it's not you like we say we yes. distribute within five days out of our warehouse yeah. you know yes. and, and we're really honest with our customers yeah and I find if as you say if the communication is there um and you update it as it needs to be updated yeah it's yeah. um yeah you just have yeah. such a better business and it runs a lot smoother absolutely and and you can even with the order email confirmation you can add in there a reminder about the postage issues as well um and the other thing actually I was going to say about e-commerce businesses when they're selling products is making sure the product description ingredients etc listed as well um you know just be careful of those things especially in the skin care uh, industry etc without going sort of deep diving into <laughs> all of that but you know just be careful around your product descriptions make sure they're accurate make sure you're not you know misleading anybody about the product and its abilities uh, as well you know just be careful of those things as well for an e-commerce business that might be involved in certain products uh, sales as well yeah definitely when I first started mine I was I really did not want to go anything that had ingredients. I was like, <laughs> it really made me nervous just the yeah. what could go wrong, especially things like yeah. skincare and that. Um, yeah. Would you recommend in that instance, if someone was setting up that type of store, that they would get legal advice just to make sure things like yeah, that are Yes, sort of thing. Exactly. And also, you know, that, that takes it a step further because the, obviously there are e-commerce businesses that are retailers. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> They are retailers for other brands. But then you have businesses who are the manufacturer and retailer, and they're the ones who should be really mindful of the um, packaging on their products and the labeling on their products. And that's a pretty intense experience, making sure that's (laughs) done correctly uh, as well. And then obviously the follow through on your website. So whether you're a retailer wholesaler, uh, manufacturer rather and whether you're a retailer of other people's brands you should have product ingredients etc listed on your website and most suppliers of those products should supply you with that information as well so you don't have to type it all in, in <laughs> um, so they should um, supply you with that as well yeah it's so so important absolutely um you touched on before insurance now I know this can be a minefield and you see this pop up and I know for myself, I've always gone down there like, oh, am I doing it right? Am I protected? You know, insurance can be just a nightmare. Um, what is like the the insurance recommendation for, um, you know, products and services? Like, yeah. how do they even start? Because sometimes you ring up an insurance company and they don't even know. <laughs> yeah. So it's worthwhile getting in touch with an insurance broker. And they can kind of guide you through what you may or may not need as well. And look, if you're um, manufacturing your own products, for example, and even if you're manufacturing them overseas and you're not personally manufacturing them, you're deemed to be the manufacturer. So you need to make sure you have product liability insurance. You need to make sure, you know, that you have... um, 
you know, other uh, insurances around that product or service that you offer. So if you're a service provider, professional indemnity insurance, if you public liability insurance potentially as well, it just depends on the nature of goods or services you offer. But it's well worthwhile if you're not sure to speak to an insurance broker who could potentially guide you uh, around what you need, depending on what services or products you offer and how you offer them as well. Um, so it's worthwhile. It's definitely worthwhile having it. But it's also worthwhile having the conversation with an expert so they can guide you so you're not taking on things you don't need or even worse, not taking on the things you mm-hmm. need um, to, to, to protect you. Absolutely. So when you talk about like product liability, would you, is that somebody getting your product and using it um you know, suing you because something happened to them yes. in the use of their product. Basically, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and, and this is where, you know, the product labelling also comes in, quite becomes quite important as well, though. If you've misled or done something there, you could potentially breach your terms of your own insurance policy and may not be covered. So you need to be mindful. It's it, They come together, if you know what I mean. So you need to be careful of what your insurance is, but also be careful of your product labeling as well. Obviously, if you're a retailer, other people's products, that's on them to make sure their labeling on the actual packaging is correct. Um, but on your website, you're responsible for what's on your website. Yeah, absolutely. And what about overseas? So if if someone sends something overseas, do they need different insurance to protect them um, from overseas? Or is it... Um, yeah, is it similar or how does that work? So from when you're based in Australia, you're under Australian laws, etc., and you're shipping products over, you need to be clear. There's a couple of things you need to be clear on in your terms and conditions. So, for example, you don't want to be liable for custom costs yeah. for that country's custom <laughs> costs. You need to make it clear to the customer, hey, we do ship to these countries, but you're responsible for any extra duties, taxes, etc. that may apply. In regards to uh, product labeling, etc., you know, typically uh, Australian law, um, unless you're operating within that country and uh, work within that country, then you may have to also comply with those laws. One example in terms of uh, not product labelling, but uh, where another country's law might apply, you know, the GDPR and privacy policies. For example, if you sell to customers in Europe and you're collecting their personal information, regardless of where you're located, you potentially have to comply with GDPR as one example. So there may be other laws that I'm not aware of that may apply. It depends on how you're selling it and and your location and all those kind of good things as well. It's a bit of a rabbit hole um, to identify exactly the unique circumstances as well. Yeah. So I think if you're brand new to business, you're just better off getting some actual advice, aren't you? Um, Because it can be so confusing and overwhelming and it's just not worth the risk. And as I said, once it's set up and, and, you know, tiny little tweaks here and there as your business grows and evolves, it it really is worth its weight in gold is just to get it done straight away, set it up properly. You know, people spend all this money designing their logo and I'm like, no, go to Canva for free and then spend the money on your legals because, yeah. you know, that I'm sorry to every graphic designer who I just offended, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you have a pool of money, I think legals is so, yeah. so super important. And, and look, just to touch upon that logo example though, with um, if, if you do design a logo within Canva, what you've got to be careful of is if you ever want to register that logo as a trademark, you can't because Canva will own the copyright in those elements of that logo. So you've got to be careful uh, if only if you plan to register as a trademark, you yeah. won't be able to. So I just wanted a flag. I wanted oh, I love that. I didn't know that, but that's yeah. such good. Now I'm really grateful that I got my very good friend to design all my logos. <laughs> so, yeah, so just be careful of websites like Canva. Amazing. I love it. I use Canva myself. But yeah. if you wanted to design uh, your branding, your logo, and then use that logo to uh, register as a trademark. So, for example, uh, just so you can picture this, uh, Woolworths W. It's a trademark, you know, yeah. that green, the colours, etc. all of that is trademark. If they'd used Canva to create that, they wouldn't have been able to 
register, not that they got big pocket and doesn't you know hire people to do all of that but <laughs> I would get my guess but, <laughs> yeah, but 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 yeah so just be careful that if you did want to register your logo as a trademark that is not something you've created in Canva get a graphic designer to create something very original and unique your brand before oh, you register as a trademark that is just oh gold right there what you have just said that is something that people wouldn't be aware of like I definitely wasn't aware of that so thank you that is amazing it's funny that you touched on trademarks because that was my very next question (laughs) (laughs) can we talk trademarks like of course this can be it when I went down the trademark path oh my goodness it was such a mindful again and I was very grateful to the lawyer that helped me out in that instance but talk me through trademarks for those that don't understand it or the legalities of it okay so basically you know you come up with this beautiful business name and you start the website the branding the logos etc you think your name is kind of original and unique um, but if you haven't done the due diligence before you invest the money in the branding and the assets around that name Uh, then you may end up in a scenario where somebody else is using that name and you might have to rebrand and redo everything. So it's a very costly exercise. Um, So there's a couple of elements here. Your business name, even if you register it through ASIC and get a name, um, you do not have exclusive rights to that name unless you've registered it as a trademark. Okay, so that's one thing, no, by uh, business names. The other is stepping back a second here, and that is doing that due diligence or um, where you do the research, you Google, you check on Insta, you check the domain name, make sure your name is actually unique and that nobody else has it. Then you go to IP Australia's website and do a trademark search for that name and misspellings of the name as well, okay, uh, because uh, the search function is not that great, you know, so you've got to put, put a bit of that effort in. Make sure nobody else has registered as a trademark as well because they can come knocking on your door and say, hey, that's my name, you can't use it. So make sure you first do the groundwork, they understand your name's available Uh, As soon as you know it's available, grab the domains, grab the socials, you know, do all those things because there's nothing worse than having to add an S or a the to your name because somebody else has it. Um, So if you can come up with something unique and then do all those things uh, as part of that. And if you are wanting to protect that name and you don't want copycats using your name, uh, especially in the same industry, then you need to think about registering as a trademark. Now, when you register in Australia, it only gives you protection for Australia. If you have bigger plans, like you want to work in America, you want to go over to the UK or whatever, you need to also then think about registering in those countries as well if you want exclusive rights to that name um, as well. So that that's kind of important. Um, so, Trademarks in a nutshell will give you exclusive rights to your business name and nobody else can use it. So when you see somebody setting up a name in Insta- on Instagram, for example, that is pretty much identical to yours and they've added one separate element to make it unique, but they're also trying to sell the same products and services as you, you can present your trademark registration to Instagram and say, hey, they're misleading and deceptive. They are copying and you know they're infringing on my trademark. Can you do something about it? And they will. Without that registration, they won't. You know, so you need to be thinking of those things as well when you're thinking about um, your brand name and what that means to you and what your plans are for that brand as well. What about a personal brand? So I know when I tried to register my own personal brand name, every version of my name is taken like a hundred times over, whether I say Elizabeth or Elizabeth Ann or, you know, all my names have been taken in some form. Um, but what about as a personal brand, if you're, if it's your name, can you register that as a trademark? It depends. Like Kylie's registered her trademark. Okay. Uh, the, the songstress. Uh, so, you know, you can. Um, it depends though because Kylie is kind of, I guess, almost unique or was unique at that time. It's not a common name if that makes sense as well there's a couple of um you know there's is it harvey normans and you know dick smith and stuff like that so you can register a personal brand it just depends on the on what that 
brand is. If it's James Smith, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have problems. And it depends on what it is you're trying to achieve through that. If you could, you don't just have to protect or um, register a trademark that's a personal name. If you're selling a course and it has a different unique name, you can register that as a trademark and protect that if that's what what's important to you as well. So personal names can be protected it depends on each individual circumstance as well um but uh it's not something that's done often it's more something unique like nike you know adidas uh coca-cola you know those kind of brands um uh, anything that's unique and distinctive is going to have more success than a common garden name so to speak like james if you see what i mean yeah. Um, and, and also what I always say is what is your strategy? What's your business strategy? What are your plans over the next two to three years? And what does that look like in order to for you to decide, well, do I register this and what am I gonna what classes I'm gonna register that in as well? So it's important to have that work done before you move to that next step as well. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be done before you start trading, does it? Like if you decide, say, as you just said, um, a course name, for example. So you've been in business a couple of years and then you create this amazing course. Then you can trademark just that course name. Is that what you were saying? Yes, you can. You can register a trademark in your course name. If it's a unique name and you want to make sure nobody else uses it in that class yeah. uh, within Australia, then yes, you can do that. You can protect it. I would recommend, though, if you're ve- if it's a very key and important asset to your business, try and protect it before you go live, go public, in case somebody else trumps you and okay. registers it for you. So I would, you know, think about that as part of your um, strategy. Oh, well. great advice. I love that. But what, um, so who would they contact? How do you start with the trade? Um, so, all the research. Who, so so who you can, you can either DIY, so you can go to IP Australia's website and make sure you understand, check and make sure the name is distinctive. You've done all the searches and you've done all of that stuff. Um so ensuring it's distinctive, then making sure you understand what classes of goods and services that trademark needs to sit under. There's over four, there's uh, approximately 45 classes of goods and services. You're not going to need all of them. You're going to need uh, obviously at least one and then potentially two or three more. Maybe it depends on your business strategy. OK, um, so you need to then look at those classes and see which one your business, your product service fits under for you to then register and then you can do all of that. There's government fees involved through IP Australia as well. Or you can um, engage my services, our services, and we can take all the stress and do it for you. Uh, and there are other law firms out there who also offer this service. So you can hire a trademark attorney or a law firm offers this service and to do it for you if you just feel too overwhelmed about doing it yourself or you just feel like it's too much of a risk for you to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I know that was definitely something. I'm. I was okay with building websites. I was okay with everything, but when I got to that trademark feeling, I was like, "Oh, outsource." That was definitely something I was comfortable outsourcing <laughs> because it can be, you know, it is overwhelming, and you do want to make sure you, you do that right because it can make or break your business down the track. Yes. And and I think people um, don't realize it can, and it's really yes. important to to yes. get it right early on. Oh, this has just been the most incredible conversation. I'm like on the edge of my seats waiting for note, writing all these notes here. So thank you so much. Is there anything else from a legal perspective or in your experience that you'd love to share with uh, the listeners today? Um, so there's a couple of things, you know, if you're a um, services provider, for example, you know, making sure that when you do have a contract, and we talked about this before, but the biggest arguments tend to be around what the scope of the work is um, and the, the cost as well. So, you know, you've got to be mindful to call out, well, I'm charging you this fee for this work. If you want more work, then this is my rate or we will need to discuss before we uh, put together a new invoice or whatever it might be, setting out the new proposal with the new work and this is the additional fee for that. So having that clarity in your contracts and sticking to that as well. 
is super important because that's one element where people um, tend to make mistakes. The other is ownership of intellectual property. Now, intellectual property is this big giant umbrella and a fancy word for uh, all the other things that sit under it. And that is things like trademarks and copyright in content. So as a photographer, uh, you would know that when you the moment you take that picture and you took that picture, you own that picture. OK, uh, especially in the commercial field, but with um, personal images like engagements and weddings, you need to make sure if you want to own it or control it and have some control over it, you need, need to make sure there's language in your contract that says that you own it, not the customer. OK, and, um, and what the rules are for them using those images. So if you take pictures from a commercial perspective, so product images, you know, are you going to assign those rights to your customer or are you going to retain those rights? Or are you going to have some rules around that, right? Well, I've taken these pictures. They're for your products, for your website only, not for you to sell those images. You don't have the right to sell them or use them anywhere else other than what we've agreed. You know, otherwise there's a new fee for that, et cetera. So you need to make sure your website terms and conditions, your contracts, et cetera, spell out who is going to own what in terms of the content that's been created as part of the service that you've provided. That's super important because people don't always appreciate that. And obviously, you know, you, you provide digital downloads, okay? You should make sure you've got, you know, the copyright logo and all rights reserved in the footer. Uh, it's not a legal requirement, but it just puts people on notice. Hey, this is somebody's copyright, uh, you know, and your terms and conditions should say, well, Anyone who downloads this, they're downloading it for their personal use, not commercial use. And so that means you're downloading it to read it for your own benefit, not to sell it. You know, things like that. Just be mindful. And because I feel like uh, a lot of small businesses need to think big, even though they're small. Think like the big guys. The big guys protect their intellectual property because it's an asset. It can make you money. You yes. don't want other people copying your asset and making money off the back of your hard work. So you need to make sure you protect that. And that's one of the big things I've learned. Uh, I've seen rather through my clients coming in and needing help is through copyright infringement of their content and um, having not protected efficiently and effectively enough through their terms and conditions, through language on their website, for example, the language within those eBooks um, or their courses, et cetera, you know, having that clarity around ownership is super, super important. And it is a business asset. If you one day wanted to sell your business, they're not just buying, you know, your client database, so to speak. Uh, they're also buying your intellectual property assets, that brand name that you've cleverly trademarked, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, that content that you've co maintained copyright in. So they're buying all those things. Um, as well, you know, so you build your business up to be this amazing asset that has all these moving parts that are all protected. And one of the things businesses fail to do is protect that intellectual property. Yeah, that I just had all these flashbacks to my photography. Like it's only been 12 months since I've been out of it, but all these things just came flying at me then. Like, you know, the conversations I've had with people over the years, like, why can't I do this? Or why can't I sell your photo? And, you know, and the other thing that um, it might be worth touching on is like even retrieval of digital files. Like that should be put on your on your website. If you do the job once, you've delivered it. Because, um, you know, I always, uh, my old spiel to every photo shoot I ever did was printing was the only way to archive anything. That's yeah. why prints are still alive in the in the day and age. Like yeah. when I first started photography, I was giving people their photos on a disc and yeah. now you're downloading from a Google Drive. And, yeah. you know, things on your contract as simple as I've delivered the service, if you don't hang on to it and back up your own storage and your and protect yeah. and save your images, yeah, it's up to you or you have to pay a data retrieval fee. And I can't yeah. guarantee that my um, yeah. archival system is yeah. going to keep up with the technology, you know. And I think if they've signed a contract and it says it so clearly, you yeah. get one shot, you get the product once, I've delivered yeah. it, I'm no longer responsible for how you've kept it. You know, things like that that used to come up you know, time and time yeah. and years. And then if you have that written and they've signed yeah. it, all you yeah. need to do is just copy and paste that and send it back to them and yeah. say, you signed it, you agree. Yeah. This was no, and here's the bill to find the archive. Yeah. 
Hundred percent. And and look, sometimes with photographers in particular, you know, there's sometimes maybe requests for the raw files. So you've got to ask yourself <laughs> that old question. You've got to, you've got to ask yourself: Do your terms and conditions specify that that's not an option, or does it specify if it is an option? What do the costs look like for that? And then, furthermore. If they edit those raw files, because you yes. if you hand them over and they edit them and they therefore do not represent what you originally created from an artistic perspective and you value yourself as an artist and that expression of your artistic, you know, uh, product service that you offer, then you need to maybe call out that I don't maybe want to be associated or be responsible for what you do with those raw files. Yes. You know, yes. so you need to think about all these things before you agree to hand over something like that. So if you hand over that, uh, I've used photography as an example, but I imagine graphic design, there may be some elements there as well where you could provide something that can be modified. Yes. Well, what does that mean to you as the original artist? What does that mean to you as to whether you should be, you know, um, associated with that work or not and are you responsible for if they screw it up and yeah. are you going to charge them for fixing it and <laughs> so on and so forth so there's those elements as well and one other thing actually I wanted to say around that if you're um, a, a service provider uh, and you want to build up your portfolio okay and you want to get testimonials etc make sure your contract allows you to use your client's logo on your website uh, or their name and reference their name etc because that's their ip um and uh, and to uh, be able to promote on your socials who your customers are and if they provide testimonials the ability to recycle reuse those testimonials in your emails your socials on your website etc rather than having to chase them back up afterwards hey can i please use your logo and they might say no by this stage or they might have moved on for whatever reason and they don't want you to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where it's so important as what you said is because, you know, when you start a business, you do think, you do think small, like honestly, how many people of us think that it's going to be successful, especially our first time around. And that's where things like communities can be so valuable to go in and just ask for people's experiences. Like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Like I was really lucky when I first was into the photography because I had a lot of great mentors and they were like, you know, make sure your contracts are right and the raw image thing and all that sort of stuff, make it really clear to your people. And as I said, as things happen, as your business grows, you do come up against obstacles and you think, damn, I wish that was in my contract. And then you, yeah. <laughs> you add it in yeah. later. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that best advice is to just think big because yeah. we do start these businesses not to go broke. So we should think best scenario. <laughs> correct, correct. And, you, and, and like I said, you know, intellectual property is just as much an asset as your physical products, for example, or the service that you offer. You know, um, if you offer a graphic design service or whatever it might be, ultimately you're going to want to add income streams like digital products, whatever that may look like, even if it's free, um, you know, eBooks, etc. they're still your hard work and you want to retain ownership over those things. So it's really important that you have that business strategy at the beginning, you know, that business plan they tell you to put together. And I know it can be daunting and you think, oh my gosh, you know, it doesn't have to be 50 pages. You know, you just map out what, where do you see your business going? What are the things that you need to enable you to start, you know, with a good solid foundation and what does that all look like and how can you protect it as well? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That is so, so true. I'm just on the edge of my seat. (laughs) (laughs) Super, super important. And is there anything else that you have on your mind to tell Well, I've got lots of free resources. So, you don't, you know, if you want to get to know me and get to know Fine, we've got lots of free resources that you can download um, at great value on our website. I have a podcast. I need to start recording more. You've uh, inspired me to do more of that. Um, And, um, you know, if if anyone ever has a question or concern, we offer free consults so they can come and um, book in for 15 minutes and have a chat with one of my team members. you know, and uh, yeah, we're here to basically make fun into legals and take out some of that legalese, you know, and um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to have all of that information on the show notes, all your um, contact details and your freebies, because I know there's going to be so many people wanting to learn more. Like it, the value you've provided today has been just been oh, incredible. Thank so thank you so much. 
I really appreciate you being here because legal is definitely something that can be a bit scary to so many people, but it doesn't need to be. And no. to talk to someone like in your team or to talk to you, just reach out to you. And um, yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I'm, we get so many DMs as well. So you can contact me via Instagram on DM. One other thing, actually, you got me thinking about, uh, I just wanted to leave a thought with, especially your product customers, uh, the e-commerce business is, um, I see a lot in the Facebook groups around collaborations with influencers and it going pear-shaped. Oh, yes. That's a whole other podcast episode, but I just would like to say, please, 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 please have proper terms and conditions in place around what you're expecting from the arrangement, who's going to own the IP in the content and how that can be, how you're allowed to share it and what does that all look like? You know, um, please, please uh, be mindful of those things because sometimes you may end up with not what you expected uh, and you may not even be allowed to use any of the content because you haven't made it clear that you're going to have ownership over it or you have certain rights to it to do what you want to do with it. Oh my so, um, yeah, so that's just a little touch point on that, not a deep dive. But yeah, please, you know, think about what um, that collaboration is going to mean to you and what that looks like and spell it out. Yes, yeah. yes, and I it, absolutely yeah. agree with that because, you know, what we were talking about, lessons learned and failures, yeah, that was something that I learned. Oh, it took me a good, you know, a good few guys to get that right with um using influencers and brand reps and that sort yeah. of thing yeah. and the fact that just because you're paying them you need to make it really clear what you want in return and down to like the delivery time and yes. the expectations and the size of the files like yes. something as simple as that like this is probably my photographer hat on but somebody, you know, for example, if you send out to brand rep and you, you're expecting high-res images and they send back something that they took on their iPhone, if you had it written in the contract with them that you expected high-res images from a DSLR, yep. you know, that's the expectations, that's what they've agreed to. And if not, you need to also show them a consequence. Like I will send yep. you a bill for the products that yep. you've received yep. because, yeah, we all believe, I think this is a very... This is probably a female thing, but we all believe that everybody is out there for good, <laughs> you know, and everybody is like going to treat us properly and the way that we would treat them. But unfortunately, it's not always the case. Or I also found dealing with, um, so I use a lot of brand brand reps instead of influencers. So, so usually that to me means that I exchange products for images and that sort of thing instead of actually paying them um, different size Communities, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, that's beside the point. <laughs> but even the fact that they're the ones I use are often mums of small children and they can get distracted very easily and they can be like, oh, little Jimmy had a cold for this week. As much as I love them and I'm grateful for them, I do have like a date for the stuff to be delivered, you know, and I can be flexible a little bit, you know, but as you say, the contract says you get the date by this or you yeah. receive the bill. And yeah. as much as I don't want to be like horrible, at the end of the day, it's my business and yeah. I feed my own family with this. So, yeah, that, as I said, that's a whole nother episode yeah. because oh, it's um, so yeah. crucial. But again, it always comes back to what you said in the beginning and that's legals is communication, isn't it? Yeah. You tell people yeah. what, what they want, what you want what you're going to deliver, your expectations, their expectations, you cover it all off and you're pretty much good to go. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And like you said, this could be a whole different episode and, you know, without deep diving into all of that, it's a combination of doing your due diligence as to the type of influencer you want to work with. Are they aligned with your values? Uh, you know, you're not going to hire a travel writer if, yes. you, you know, you you sell cars, for example, or something like that. You know, you got to make sure you, you find the right influencer influencer do the research around what they do that align with your values etc and then you know have the terms and conditions that set out the deliverables set out you know the payment terms set out you know what the who owns the content and how long can you they use it for and how long you use it for and all sorts of other stuff that I, it's not enough time to get into <laughs> like now 
Yeah, definitely. Maybe I'll get you back on just to talk about this one because that's that's just been such a learning experience for me over the last couple of years. Definitely. It's, it's yeah, it was a whole minefield. But, yeah, I, I definitely did that the hard way but got there in the end with yeah. a solid contract. That was, that was the difference between not getting what I wanted and getting what I wanted was yeah. literally a contract. That was all yeah. that changed. I did yeah. All the research, I did everything the same, but from not getting what I wanted to getting what I wanted was just yeah. them finding a contract. And as I said, there's so many software tools available that you can send them like 17 hats. You just put it in there. Yeah. You send it to them via email. It's all done in the system. Once they, you can, you get a little text message saying that it's been signed. Yeah. Too easy. Like it doesn't have yeah. to be complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes things makes it easier. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I could go on all day. In fact, we'll probably hang up and I'll just keep, you know, (laughs) pulling out information. But thank you so much for being here, Riz. I have just absolutely loved this conversation. It has just been so valuable. And, um, you know, legals to me is something so serious. And I, I really appreciate your time and offering up so much content. So thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. I've had an absolute blast. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. And I have definitely got all your details below in the show notes so everybody can come and connect. Where's your favourite place to hang out? Is it Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. 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 Instagram. <laughs> I, love, I love Instagram. I love the community there and, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. I love it. Awesome. That'll be at the top of the list of how to get get into yeah. you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Riz. I look forward to following you along and um, keeping in touch. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. Well, thank you again for listening to yet another episode of the Boss Motive Podcast. I hope these episodes are really helping you towards building a successful business and a life that you love. If you enjoyed this episode, please jump over and leave me a review because that is going to help me get these episodes out to more people. And of course, I love to see you on Instagram. So please tag me at Boss Motive and let me know if these episodes are resonating with you or if there's something that you would love to hear. I look forward to being back in your ear again next week. Thanks again.